Hi, and welcome to the Tomato Timer, a podcast about learning to learn. I'm Zubair from Xenos, and I'm tuning in live with experts from around the world, asking your questions and hearing their stories. All before the timer goes off. 24 minutes and 39 seconds to go. This is episode 51 of the Tomato Timer, and I'm delighted to welcome Serge, founder of PDX Praxis and a learning experience designer. Um, there are a whole bunch of questions, Serge, we want to dive into today. But before I get my teeth into them, I'd like to contextualize you and your background. So kind of where was your academic journey? Where did it go? And why do you feel like the education system failed you? Cool. Yeah, really fun question to start with. I Firstly, thank you for having me. It's going to be really fun to explore these questions with you. Um, I went through all of the kind of traditional English education system um, mm -hmm. places, including public and private schools. And after secondary school, I went to a trade college. I actually didn't go to university straight afterwards. I okay. took a year out to go study uh, business management because I wanted some like real practical skills. I felt mm -hmm. like everything I was learning in school was kind of theoretical or didn't apply to the world. So I just took that year to go to a trade college um, in Andover. And then I went to UWE, University of West of England, where I studied music technology because I wanted this blend between um, creative stuff and also like physics and science. Mm -hmm. And it was a BSc. So it wasn't just an arts program. It was a we were looking at physics of sound. We were looking at computer programming, making software applications, as well as like recording bands and doing live stage Amazing. stuff. And so I really needed this blend. And I felt that was yeah. super important to get at university. Otherwise, I would have just felt like um, two inside one box. Um, then your final question, how did it fail me? I don't know if it necessarily failed me. Actually, towards the... Um, towards university something weird happened where i didn't have a lot of contact hours i actually only had eight hours of contact time in my course wow okay. uh, per week and then i had already covered most of the material for the first year uh in school so i basically aced that whole year and had so much free time and so mm. i university was this interesting thing for me because i basically snuck into the back of all of the different business and economics lessons philosophy psychology Amazing. cog sci media <laughs> media studies I was just mm -hmm. running into everything that I could find and what aligned with my curiosities. And I was in third year lectures, just kind of sat at the back, like, please don't notice me. Um, but this is really interesting. And then I also bumped into the startup center. And this is where I really got sort of a, a flavor for applying a lot of the things that I was learning and the seeing bar. how a business yeah. works. Yeah. Um, so university didn't necessarily fail me. It was super like um, spacious and, that was kind of good if you're an energetic learner, like you go mm -hmm. forwards into your learning. Um, but then other things in secondary school and high school did kind of fail me in that I was very much a social learner. Like I only figured this out after I left university where mm. I needed to be around people to run ideas through and say, "Is do, how do you see that? Do, do you like that? Or what do you think about these things? And there wasn't enough of that in school really. Um, it's kind of one teacher to many people and you kind of get overlooked. Mm -hmm. But I really needed to be in a small group, asking questions, running through things multiple times and like seeing them from different angles. But I didn't really get that at school. I don't think many kids do. So that's one way it did fail me. Hmm. I, I love the kind of this sneaking into lecture theaters. Um, I, I think I, I read of this, it's called the gorilla student. And um, it happens a lot in Ivy League universities where um, 
well, professors have even said that they know there are some students who just turn up and they just sit in their back of the lecture halls, never aren't even enrolled, sometimes not even at the university, um, just because how kind of open things are. Um, and it's just such an incredible um, concept, but it requires something. It requires you to take learner agency. And, and I want to kind of dive into that a little bit more. You took charge of your learning journey and you carved your path, whether that was the degree provided some structure, but other than that, you kind of chose what you wanted to do and learned about what you wanted to. Um, why is this such an important trait for all of us to develop, whether we take a very traditional route or if you want to be much more experimental? Sure, yeah. There's um, Learner agency is this really interesting thing where hmm. you, you get built a certain way if you spend a lot of time around certain people and doing certain things, right? So yeah. Yeah. You basically spend a lot of time being assessed with formative assessments, uh, sorry, summative assessments. Like you get this one big thing at the end where you have to memorize a bunch of stuff and say it at the end. But exactly. Um, so you get used to trying to hit outcomes. Um, and, th and there's more to that, more to school than just the outcomes. Of so to, to even have the ability to have the outcomes and and produce and remember the thing you need to have some kind of like self-belief that you can learn mm. and so the point of not summative assessment but formative assessment which we're not either a given as an actual assessment or actually met by a teacher to say like how are you where are you going like what don't you see the point of formative assessment is to basically show you the gaps in your knowledge and show and improve the process of learning itself so the skill of what it means to be a good learner so being an agentic learner is, is having the self-belief that you can improve the process of learning itself and go forwards into uncertainty and risk and challenge mm -hmm. and, be, and be comfortable with un, uncertainty, risk and challenge. Yeah. And those are kind of like emotional and um, characteristic traits. They're less about like, can you remember something? Can you um, yeah, yeah, write a good yeah. essay? And so that's kind of overlooked. Um, and it's super essential to even hit the grades you need to be able to believe that you are a good learner, believe that you can find the right information, collaborate, feel a sense of belonging, be creative, um, make connections between new information. Um, all of these things have curiosity. And so yeah. these dimensions that I'm saying are totally missed. Absolutely. I, I was just going to say that it makes a lot of sense in the context of, you know, just school or, or university to have this agency to have the confidence that you are doing something especially as you get to uni um i know in my it was one thing that really uh, was difficult for me because in the first few first year of uni i was left a little bit in the deep end i didn't have a teacher who was kind of like guiding me step by step and suddenly i had to be confident in the way i was approaching a problem especially with a math uh, you know one of those proof questions pure mathematics really like was a difficult one for me um so i i only developed those confidence in the kind of the that agency mindset over those years. Um, and something else which may seem quite a different area completely, but is, is deeply linked. I'm sure you'll, you, you can attest to this, but entrepreneurialism, there's such an important aspect of learner agency to someone who wants to run their own initiative, startup, project, whatever it is, um, because you need to get out there and learn the things, whether it's, you know, I, I was talking about this the other day, but, you know, I had to think, learn about legal stuff and how to manage intellectual property and set up a company. I had to learn about graphic design. I had to think about UX. I had to think about tech. And at the end of the day, it's still learning, right? Um, even though I'm not going to go into an exam and sit down and write a, a three-hour paper, it's still learning. And so 
help me kind of kind of build that together. So there is learner agency, which is so crucial during school and during university, but also outside in the real world, right? Totally, yeah. I'd, I'd even say my, my shorthand of this is you don't actually learn anything until you learn it for yourself. Meaning that if someone didn't, mm -hmm. if someone went and told you it or tried to teach you it, you're not actually learning it. it you can, mm -hmm. people do. Um, but the real mm -hmm. sticky stuff is the stuff that yeah. you have to figure out yourself. And, you know, I don't remember what I learned in geography class. I don't know if you'll remember what you learned in geography class, <laughs> but if I now do what you did, which is go into the world and see that there was a challenge and I had to pull up some geography information, it would stick and that's super important. So being exposed to real world risk and having to think critically are kind of the, the core parts of entrepreneur, entrepreneurialism um, and actually learning in the world. So um, there's no real place for like real risk in, in learning, uh, mm. in education. Uh, you know, the best fighter pilots, the best traders um, are all exposed to real risk and they learn because they have the feedback from the world. And if you don't have that feedback from the world or your social context, the friends around you, the people, yeah. you know, like you need to be okay with messing up. But how many times do you get to mess up? One, at the end of all of your years in school. Mm -hmm. So entrepreneurialism, starting a business, doing what you did and going into the world, it, you have to be okay with messing up multiple times. Yeah. Um, and if you can't develop that, being okay with that, um, you may struggle to, to, to have real learning, which sticks. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's your knowledge that you construct, not something that someone just passed to you in a textbook. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a little bit you talked about social learning and I, I really kind of connected with that because I think I figured that out as well. I, I actually, uh, to, for a long time, I thought that was a bad thing. I thought that I was a little bit lazy and all I wanted to do was sit around with friends and work together. I didn't really want to sit down on my own and do it. But um, if the way you describe it makes me feel like it's it's a good thing to do. So tell me a little bit more about social learning. And, and we we're big believers of community, especially community-led learning, community uh, communities of practice. So how does that kind of, how does social learning fit together with this this concept of communities? Yeah, sure. So there's two major pedagogical um, theories which you could kind of contrast. One is yeah. Piaget, who speaks about um, sort of constructivism, that you construct your knowledge. Um, and he had a very like belief that it was something internal that you do in your mind and you think about this thing. And um, that's parts of that are important. Um, then there's Vygotsky, who basically said that most learning happens in a social context. It has to happen around people, yeah. with people. And if you think about that a little bit, then um, what comes up for me at least is that one of the primary ways you learn is monkey see, monkey do. You, you, mm -hmm. How did you learn to say mama? Because you kept seeing your mom go mama. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so imitation is this huge part of learning. And, and we kind of, we, we create this shame or guilt barrier to that when it's one of the primary ways of accessing learning. And when mm. you say, don't look at my notes, like, oh, uh, don't copy him. You know, it's completely prohibited. Um, copying is one of the most uh, fundamental artistic and creative uh, methods. You, you need to figure out what you're imitating and be mindful mm. of what you're imitating, uh, yeah. what you're inspired by, I'd even say. Um, so to know if you know you are being driven by inspiration or you're just raw copying. But the process of constructivism is basically see what you want to imitate and then make it your own. You need to somehow put it and run it through your internal world model. So that's what I say the importance of social learning is, um, is 
um, seeing working models in the world, saying like, oh, there's someone I really respect. They're doing it kind of well, and I should try and imitate some of those behaviors. And then once you imitate them, then um, you work out which parts of it are good for you and bad for you. That's very interesting. Um, and also, I guess it gives you a, a sandpit uh, to make the mistakes as well, right? Because you, you mentioned that in, in the general kind of uh, educational journey, you have this kind of final exam at the end of a year or two years to do, and that's it. You can't mess up there. But in a social learning context, especially in communities, it's it's much better and it's much um, much less risk to make a mistake. And in fact, I, I feel like it's it's probably the way you, you end up learning so much more because you've made the mistake, you've been maybe felt a little bit of embarrassment, shame because, oh, I made a mistake in front of my friends, but suddenly that thing is going to stick with you. As you said, it's making it much more sticky. I remember um, one thing that freaked me out at uni was uh, putting my hand up in a lecture, especially with those like 200 uh, student lectures. Um, and then over the kind of the years, I just kind of became that guy. But there's always that guy who kind of always is going to put his hand up. And um, a lot of times, you know, I'd say, oh, sir, is that, is that what you mean? Sometimes I'd be right. Sometimes I'd be wrong. But then, uh, yeah, go on then. No, you need to do that. You, yeah, that's absolutely. essential. Like being able to ask questions. Like what is an inquiry with no question? You know, how do you solve, you know, businesses are all about solving problems and answering questions. Yeah, um, yeah. Testing and hypothesis science is about testing and hypothesis. So exactly. if you have a hypothesis that's boiling up inside of you, you've got to say it to someone. And I think, um, yeah, being up, to, your point of being held up by the community is super important, not just because it puts the risk layer on, mm-hmm. but because when you fail, hopefully you've built relationships with people who pick you back up again. Yeah. Um, and that they go, you tried and like, he's also tried. Should, should we try and give you some resources to like, look at that? Um, and that happens much more naturally um, with friends and building these deep relationships. Um, so having those around is super important. You don't have the same kind of connection to a lecturer or a teacher um, as you do some close friends who are also on a similar mission or vision. Yeah. I want to uh, iterate on another thing. I actually iterate itself, but that's my point. Um, repetition and re- learning through repetition. Um, something another, another thing, as you said, it's often uh, looked down upon and thought as, as not the right way of, of actually learning. You're not doing anything. You're just copying. Um, but like, if you look at the context of, you know, as you said, artists, you know, sculptors, they didn't go out and become, you know, Michelangelo didn't just start at a marble and just produce the, the greatest statues or anything like that. He made hundreds of copies and imitations, and he may he continued to do so. And I, I'm I'm talking in a very specific example, but it it applies everywhere, right? You need to keep copying. And I, one of the ways I studied actually was, especially long proofs and theorems. Um, or pure mathematics, I would sit down and copy it over and over and over again until I started to build linkages between statements and not linkages which are just like memorization ones, but actually I see the logical connection between this and this and I can see why it's connecting. And it would only happen after the fourth time I've actually rewritten it out. And I still have all those papers. My mom keeps every single sheet of paper that I, that I write on. So I have like copies and copies of the same theorem over and over again. And that's the only way I've learned. Again, something I felt ashamed about, but maybe just to tell me a little bit more as well, because it's it's such an important thing to to not be ashamed about. I think. Yeah, I guess I guess there's two different concepts which I'm I'm hearing. One is like imitation, and one is repetition. Okay. Um, yeah. Like yeah, like Im- imitation, super important. The po- the part that um, is important there is is inspiration, because inspiration is this thing which opens you up to the world. You kind of have a mm. readiness and willingness to go into the world. You're like. Mm-hmm wow, that inspired me. 
Um, and sometimes this happens at school where a teacher just says a really off the cuff comment and just is like, you're really good at that. Or, or you see a teacher who's doing something cool and you're like, oh, I want to go do that. Um, and so be very mindful of who you're imitating and who you're inspired by, because um, mm -hmm. you tend to gravitate towards that and copy those behaviors. And then there's repetition, which I think you're speaking about. This has more to do with like um, depth of understanding. So a thought experiment is basically like the novice and the, the expert. If the novice, say there's a basketball game on, the novice just sees like chaos. He's not quite yeah. sure what's, you know, it's like whatever's happening. Like, oh, they put the ball in the hoop. And mm -hmm. then, um, and then the expert actually sees a series of patterns and he's like, oh, okay, well, I can explain to you how they set up the defense and then they got the yeah. thing ready and they, yep, he passed it to that guy. Um, and a, a one key difference in the types type of understanding that a novice has the expert, the expert has multiple ways of explaining the same thing. So you can't say that the novice understands it as deeply as the expert because he only has one explanation for it. If someone has like four ways of proving the same thing mm. and speaking it from different angles, you understand mm. it deeper. And this requires like huge amounts of curiosity and being okay with uncertainty and risk and stress and uncomfortability because, you know, no, no, some people take things at surface value and they go, oh, well, I solved it and that, that equation works. But he doesn't understand it as, as well as someone who has four ways of explaining that proving yeah. that theorem. Yeah. So that's the importance of like convergence, seeing things from multiple angles. I want to uh, change gears a little bit. We we kind of like got into a very abstract kind of uh, learning and pedagogy, but I want to come back to something that you've developed very recently, which is Educator OS. Um, and that's a set of Notion templates. Um, and you are a, a super user of Notion. Um, and we've heard a lot about this. Um, we at Xenotes use it as our kind of organizational tool for documents and, no and tasks. Um, but if someone has never heard of it, what is Notion? And why is it an important, or how can it be a valuable tool for us as students? Sure. Have you ever tried to collect notes on Word docs? It's yeah. it's kind of gets a little bit messy after a while, and you're like, well, which folder did I put that in? And I don't know, there's no yeah. search bar. Um, Note-taking is this super important thing you do at school, and hopefully for the rest of your life somehow, um, if it's relevant. But Notion is essentially a note-taking app, but it's more than a note-taking app. You can have databases in it. You can also have um, images and different kinds of, um, they're kind of like widgets, and you can arrange them in different orders. So it's like Lego blocks for information and knowledge. Um, mm. I, I see it as that, and you can build project management databases, you can build galleries, you can build websites with it, you can uh, create sort of libraries and repositories for keeping different types of books, lists and stuff. It's, it's brilliant, multi-purpose yeah. multi tool. Um, and it was meant to be, the founders basically said, we want this thing to replace Word documents, like it should be the default thing. Um, yeah. And I, I see it as that, it is, is um, not just a great place for writing down your thoughts, but also kind of creating structures and um, processes and workflows. So that's roughly what Notion is. Um, it's then the backbone of this product called Educator OS. Should I talk about yes. that a bit? Yes, yeah, of cool. course. Yeah, Educator OS is basically a Notion dashboard, meaning that it's like a central place that you do a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's for experts, educators, and hobbyists. Um, but it's also really great for students in an interesting way because um, one of the best ways to learn is to teach. This is called the Feynman technique. Yep. Um, by teaching, you actually figure out what you do and don't know because you go to say to someone and you're like, 
uh, oh, I can't explain that to you. I'll go back and yeah. figure it out. Yeah. So um, for these people, it's a all-in-one Notion dashboard for them to create online courses, workshops, content, blog articles, mm -hmm. basically um, for you to launch all of these things quickly and effectively using Notion all from one place. And inside is a bunch of, I think it's about 30 plus templates. So if you want to start a new online course, you have a template and you just fill in all the information. Uh, if you want to create a new YouTube video, it's got a template and you fill in all the information. Um, and it's broken down into three parts. There's the creative side, so for creating projects. Mm -hmm. And there's a business management side for managing your business, whether you're using you know, Teachable or Zoom to teach online, all these different things. I and mean, then also there's a bunch of guides in there to teach you the sort of fundamentals of starting an online business and uh, some basics of teaching and sharing information yeah. online, all those good stuff. It sounds really interesting. And uh, just to kind of like explain um, from my perspective, um, uh, Notion has been really powerful, of course, for organizing ourselves as an organization, um, but also, as you said, you know, keeping my kind of scattered thoughts. So I have, um, I have a list for my the books that I want to read or, or movies that I want to watch. I also have things like, you know, interviews that I take, especially right now. Uh, I can confess that I have a Notion open in front of me because I have all my notes for the interview that I'm doing with you right now. Um, so it's a very powerful tool. Um, I would highly recommend, especially because you get a whole bunch of um, kind of like access within an educational account. So it's, you know, go ahead. It's and also try just and free. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about Notion and not just Notion, but like the um, this new concept that's coming about, which is called the second brain or the digital garden. Um, what is that about? How does that connect with this concept of note taking, which isn't just, you know, writing on, on writing, copying from a textbook to a piece of paper. And how does it contextualize for us as students? Sure, yeah. Um, personal knowledge management is this kind of big bucket and building a second brain is um, one sort of methodology or movement inside personal knowledge management. Mm -hmm. um, you can use any tool. Notion is just one. There's Rome Research, there's Bear, there's Evernote, you know, you could use whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But basically, the whole kind of one of the core premises is basically your brain's very good at creating stuff. You're you know really great at coming up with ideas, mm -hmm. but it's it's not so great at remembering things. And you know yeah. you you might leave something like a podcast idea over there, and yeah. you know your, yeah. your cookbook over there. Um, and basically, building a second brain is creating uh, offloading all these thoughts into a kind of single unified area, whether that be in Notion or Evernote. And you're trying to design notes in a way where they are both discoverable and at any time that you need. You need it to basically say, okay, on my future self needs to figure this out and I need to find the right notes. And so they should be quickly accessible. So if I'm starting a new project on website development, then shoop, 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 boom, it's all in one place. Yeah. And then the other part you want to design for is also interconnectivity. Your brain is not like a Word document. You don't think in pages, you think in related concepts. So what you're trying right. to do is to build connections between notes. You know, your notes on Thursday last week are over there on Thursday, but there's something that's going to be amazing, which happens in about two weeks time, but you need to find a way of creating connections between those things. Mm -hmm. um, so tools like Notion, like Rome, um, have these amazing things called uh, wiki backlinks, and they're kind of like how Wikipedia works, you know, when you kind of just keep looping through different pages. Yeah. Um, and you're creating that for your own knowledge. Yeah. But I, I kind of want to 
just ask kind of at you a little bit more further because you you talk about note taking as a way of creating or I don't know how to explain it, but it's it's more than just kind of for remembrance. It's more like your interpretation of certain things. So uh, why is it so important? So there's there's kind of this note taking that we've always been taught, you know, uh, for exam prep or whatever. But there's another kind of note taking which you're kind of talking about, which is like when I listen to a podcast, when I read a book, I need to be do- taking notes. These are assimilations of thoughts and ideas that I've had at that moment in that situation. Um, so just a little bit more on that. Yeah, sure. I think one of the main ways that it relates to students is that you're engaging in an active, le- listen, an active learning process. Yes, that's um, it. That's the core thing. I think you know, listening to a podcast, reading a book, all of these things and expecting them to go into your head is kind of... Um, it doesn't make any sense. Like you need to be using and engaging the senses um, and creating an artifact while you do it. Um, mm-hmm. So note-taking alongside listening to a podcast is is engaging with the content. You're, and then this is where it really where it starts to become sticky. Um, you know, uh, and it's, it's, it's more than just remembering you're right. It is about um, coming up with your own insights and coming up with yeah. your own questions to it and reacting to it in the moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just being a passive receiver of information. You're going from like mindless consumption to um, mindful creation and um, creating these connections and generating new novel insight because it's, it's your thinking. Um, there's a beautiful phrase, I forget who said it, but it's like, I don't know what I... I don't know what I know until I write it or something or until I see what I've written. And I think this is very true um, about writing as a practice. Well, Serge, um, you are a big believer of the Pomodoro technique and we've just hit our timer. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you so much for joining us. And that's another episode of the Tomato Timer. If you'd like to ask your questions and join us live next week, join the Xenos Discord server. The invite link is in the description. And to learn more about Xenos and how a bunch of students are on a mission of making quality education accessible to all, go to xenos.org. Bye for now.